Welcome, guys. Good to have you on. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having us, Ben. Appreciate being here on your show. Yeah, I can't recall the last time I had two people on. I don't think I've actually had two business owners on. Obviously, not only business owners, but you guys are in a relationship as well. So this is the first. So I'm excited. What you don't see behind the scenes in uh, running a business. Bring on the couple. (laughs) Maybe the first of many. So you guys have a, I mean, I obviously read through both, you know, the backstory of you both individually and then what you've done collectively. You guys have got a, I feel like a really cool story. I wanted to just learn like how you guys actually first met. How we first met. (laughs) I'll let you tell this one. Pretty much a very long time ago. We were teenagers. That went um, to a movie marathon and my girlfriend brought me along and his friend brought him along and then it sort of met from there onwards. Still good friends with those friends, but yeah, had on earth. That's she, how it- she, she had a vision in me and now look where it's taken us. Who seduced you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say Michael's not the ordinary um, boyfriend to have. For instance, I'm up the coast very far away, yet he'll still make his way before he had a license or actually I can't even know if he already had one. No, I think I was just about <laughs> getting my license, but I had that, Passion that, to get desire, that desire to prove you wrong. Yeah. He had the entrepreneurial drive. He did. He <laughs> Let, did. Let's run with that. He did indeed. So Nicole, you, you were a nurse in ICU. Where did it start for you? Like what, what exactly did you study? I studied science first, so medical science, and then um, Michael got a property in that time that I was at uni, and it was sort of like, okay, let's get a job, and I looked into science, and I was like, oh, this is not for me. I loved it, but it just, I'm very people. I love talking to people. I love the people aspect, and so science is very data-driven, which I love, don't get me wrong, but I love, I sort of missed that science aspect, uh, the people aspect when in the science. And so I thought, okay, let's do something that's collaborative in a way of got people. So ICU nursing was my sort of way to go. So I started in uh, acute care first in coronary care uh, unit, where it's heart attacks, and then went, made my way into ICU. And then I guess once I was a nurse and established and jumped on to um, it was actually my first year of nursing, I think, that I jumped on investing with Michael and that was like the little deed that flourished in our investment journey. <laughs> That's pretty cool. From ICU to investing. And so you got your first taste, I guess, like I'd, you could say through, through Michael's. That was at Michael's acquisition. That Yeah, it was, um, well, he had two properties by then. Yeah. Yeah, you had two properties by then and I went on to the third. So, and it was the third one that we did like a reno and sort of learnt renovation. All the do's and don'ts. All the do's and don'ts. And then um, we ended up putting granny flat onto that property as well to add value and whatnot and learnt a lot of things in that property. But it's done us okay. And then I'm still got to know. <laughs> stepping stone. And then I sort of, you get the bug, right? And then you're like, oh, that's the next project. And then it sort of went next, next, next. And now we're here being like, wow, we're actually advanced investors looking at multiple things. And what brought us into I guess the BA space is wanting to help. Well, we started helping others and then we were like, let's do this. Let's do this actually as a as a job. Sounds pretty cool. Michael, how would you describe your background growing up? So I was raised by predominantly my mum raised me as a single mum, single parent. Uh, my parents split at a young age. I think it was about three or four. And basically having a sole provider, I was the only child as well. It was quite difficult for my mum to sustain regular employment. So 
We were living in uh, housing commission throughout most of my uh, younger young years. And at an early age, I realized that whilst my mum was doing all she could to provide for myself, there was a point where I realized I had to start taking, taking my own, I guess, drive and fending for myself and not having to, to rely on my mum who was doing everything she could. So that then led me to finding a job. I think my first job was at Big W uh, when I was about 14 years of age. And so from an early, early period in my life, I I then started looking for alternate ways to how how best I can leverage my money. And one thing led to another, started reading plenty of articles, talking to people. And because I was quite young in comparison to a lot of my friends throughout the, the high school years, I went to school quite early. I basically got the idea to invest in property through one of my friends. And that basically led me to purchasing and, and saving up a deposit to purchase at the age of 21. And so after that, after that first acquisition, uh, I'm speaking with uh, the broker who managed to get the deal across the line for us in the first place. And nine months on, he, he basically approached me and said that, hey, let's revalue your property if you want to go again. At the time, I wasn't really too sure what, what to expect, but then essentially what I, what I was I guess I was surprised when the valuation came back and then the property itself had increased a substantial value. And to my surprise, all from $30,000 as a deposit, there I was ready to go again to purchase another property. So that was, that was a real mind-blowing situation for me to go, hey, here I am <laughs> making a few measly dollars an hour and yet you invest your money in property and do it correctly and you, you can reap some serious benefits from it. That's unreal. So there's a few things I want to touch on there. So your friend you mentioned who I guess you could say introduced you to whether it was just investing or you know inspiring you to get that first one. Are you still in contact with that person? I am, yes. Okay. Have, have you thanked him, him or her? <laughs> Funnily enough, I probably have along the lines, but indirectly because we we were pretty pretty good friends for for most of most of our years up until we, we had our kids and, and kind of went along our separate paths. So, we, I mean, we still, we still talk to each other, but whether or not I thanked him for that period of time, probably I, I should. <laughs> yeah, because here you are now, you know, running a, a buyer's agent business that's progressively growing. And yeah, it's, it's always nice to, I think, to connect the dots. But the second thing I wanted to talk about as well is, I mean, thanking that mortgage broker who typically a mortgage broker from my experience doesn't really tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, let's revow, let's manufacture this equity, let's go again. Like usually like the buyer's agent's doing that to to a, a first-time investor. So that's, I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, I guess it was now. Now thinking, now thinking of it, but I think it's because it was a long time ago too now. It was yeah. back in the days where like face-to-face contact and then because he was so young, I think you inspired those professionals that you engaged, I guess, like the broker and whatnot. Yeah. So I, I guess on top of that, yeah, him being aware that I was quite new to this space, perhaps maybe led the this the, the process and saying that his his intel was that properties, well at least the area had, had gone up in value and that was enough of a an instigator to get things rolling again. I love it. So Michael, you then got Nicole hooked on investing and then together you had two property addicts going at it. Michael, so and what were you doing in terms of, for your career in terms of your role? By the age of 17, once I'd finished school, uh, I think it was about 2006, 
now thinking back. I then took on a apprenticeship as a, an electrician and started working for a, a small little company and was really earning like really low low income for, for an apprentice. I think it was about anywhere between 10 or $12 an hour at the time. And so was working weekends just to kind of save, uh, save up enough for a deposit. So I did that for about three years and then decided to take a bit of a break went for a, a six six or eight week holiday to, to Europe with a with a whole bunch of friends clear the mind as you do and when I came back my mum again had found a, a foot in the door in in uh, applying to an electrical role in Sydney trains and so jumped into that opportunity didn't think much of it then got got an opportunity to be an electrician for them did that for a number of years and yeah here we are now. And so you guys are both now all in with your biosation business, is that right? Yeah, we're still we're still transitioning. I'm I'm still doing this sort of part-time, you could say, whereas Nicole being on maternity leave, uh, she's got a, a lot more time available to do the the everyday-to-day business business side of things, and I'm just sort of helping in the background where I can. Yeah, well, we we bit the bullet and decided let's do it when I'm on mat leave and uh, yeah. See where it goes. Well, you know, there was a study I read recently. I think it was actually, I think the World Economic Forum, like there was just this study that they did around, I think it was 5,000 entrepreneurs in North America they interviewed and basically who's, who'd, who'd started side businesses. So they were working full-time, I think, as employees. There was 5,000 people and the ones that were working full-time while they started the business were, thirty-four. I think, 34% less likely to fail. So it was it was obviously a small data set, small data set, but I think it's wise to try out new ventures um, on the side. I think it's I, I think a lot of smart people that I've studied. I always talk about like Phil Knight from Nike. He did it. Steve Wozniak from Apple. He was at Hewlett Packard. Um, the list goes on. There's heaps of them. I think it's really I think it's strategic and smart. I, I kind of I went all in when I started Cohen Handler because I I'd left the corporate world, but I kind of wish that it was a smoother transition because it's sometimes a bit you know. Hardcore. I could only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're still investors as well. So we got to think of our investing. We keep wanting to invest and we keep investing anyway. Like we've just done a few purchases ourselves recently as well. So it's like just to keep investing, we got to have that serviceability, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, given that the business uh, financials are, are quite fresh still, we want to build that up and get it to a level where things are a little bit more sustainable. And I'm quite quite risk averse. So for me, that's that's also important. And now having three little minions under five running around, it's it's not the same sort of, I guess, expectations I had prior to kids. So all of that is is quite important and, and we want to make as, as smooth of a transition as is. Yeah, I get that. I think it's responsible. So how's the journey been? I mean, you guys obviously love property. You're, you're solid investors. You know, you bought a lot of property for yourselves. Like, how has the experience been for you guys? Like, jumping in the buyer's agent seat to then obviously help other people, you know, achieve some form of pathway that you guys have been on. We have exciting. <laughs> well, I yeah, I, I mean, when when we first started out, we had a couple of challenges, of course, in terms of licensing and whatnot. But once we got that up and running, I think the hardest part for me was just getting myself out there and and I was always second guessing whether or not I was being boastful or not because I, I really had the intent of reaching out to people to see if, if there's any way I can help and 
what I found was that the investing aspect in our journey was a, was a big contributor to the confidence in what we were able to do. And so every time I speak to someone new and who's struggling in this space, I guess the, the confidence that we've built up from all the, the trial methods and, and ways that we've attempted ourselves and determined what worked, what didn't is now a really big confidence boost when we know we've, we've been able to help someone with their purchase and basically get them to a level where they're replicating results similar to ours, if not better. Yeah. And no, I was just going to add to that, just Ben saying also like just there's like gaps sometimes with the education and that when you can feel it, I think that's so it's fulfillment as well for them and you because you given them a light bulb moment and, you know, it's just expanding their horizon, as you call it, right? Taking those goggles off for them. I think so. You know, obviously speaking to Michael's journey, I mean, you obviously got into investing at a young age. You obviously got exposed to it in terms of just some form of influence in your life. Um, And I think properties all around us in the press and it's just everywhere um, from a media point of view. But, you know, very few Australians own property like in terms of multiple properties like you guys, like, and there's obviously a blockage, like uh, whether it's people just buy the first lemon and they, they just don't have equity to go again or whatever. The, there's, there's definitely a block, especially when it gets to six plus properties. Uh, I think it's less than 2% at the moment, ABS's latest data, which is really low, I think, in Australia. But I think it must be cool for both of you now that you're obviously together, you're driving a portfolio. Like it must be cool for you guys to just really activate that inspiration for people to to start really using property as a vehicle to build wealth, right? Yeah, really. Yeah. So I guess the biggest eye-opener for us is it, it provides us with options. And so I, I recall there were periods in my life where I used to get up at six o'clock before the crack of dawn, get on the tools as an electrician. And I thought to myself, working Monday to Saturday, and I thought, God, I, I don't think I've got the, the capacity to do this all, uh, all the way up until retirement. And I thought, I've got, to, I've got to try and find better better ways to leverage the, the money I earn all the, and slaving away all these days. And so when property got to a level where it was providing us a passive income, that was like a big turning moment for us. And that was only, I guess, superseded by the fact of then having kids that just really cemented that for, for us to say, well, now that we want to be a part of our children's lives as well, we, we're going to continue investing so that these these options can can flourish and, and not be forced to work, but rather be in a position where we want to work and, and have that level of fulfillment. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, you guys have, I guess, been on this journey together. And I think you've obviously, you know, like I'm assuming you were mentioning, Nicole, around one of your properties, there's challenges as you go through in terms of purchasing for yourself, like we all make mistakes. And I guess it's, you learn through those hard lessons and, and you know, you have to invest money and, and burn money or whatever it is you burn, your time or opportunity costs or whatever it is. You have to really walk through that yourself, I feel like. Go through the trenches, walk through some flames, and then you can really, you know, guide people from a place of experience, right? Pretty much. But what also I like about the fact it's two of us in it, we can bounce ideas off each other. And then I guess I think that's where I sort of want to empower the females, I guess, in the investor space as well, because a lot just can leave it up to someone else to do it. And you're like, well, what happens if there isn't somebody else? Um, You can do it also. And I think there's a new rise as well, female investors coming in as well, who I guess maybe don't have the confidence as males do. I don't know if it's just risk adverse or what it is yet. I'm 
to any decipher what's going on in the female world but it's also just saying you can do it also and you don't have to do it as a couple you can do it separately as well you could be a single woman or you could be a single male and yeah and then I guess also it's for any person who's working not to have that mindset that oh that's just not for me I can't do it I have to go to work and oh I'm scared to have that loan sort of like okay but why are you scared to have that loan like what's what's happening there's more deeper issues usually that you can unsolve and then when you open somebody's eyes to being like well you don't have to work that hard you can actually use your money and your savings to something that will be bringing you a passive income or will be bringing you some longevity in the future so you can build upon that instead of working nine to five nine to five or me I was shift work for instance and I just didn't see shift work sustainable it does many bad things to your body, I reckon. So, um, you know, I, I just, yeah, I guess it's thinking outside the box. And I think that's the one good thing about us. We do like to think outside the box. And a lot of our clients love the fact that when they have us, they can speak to us. Um, you know, if it's me, I'm good at some things. And then Luke, my, Michael's better at some things. And then we've also got a network of professionals that, you know, if you have us, you have a network of professionals as well. So, it's about creating that team for, I guess, the client and who do they need in their team to get them their purchases so they can build upon their journey in investing. Mm, so true. Yep. I think a lot of people do make the mistake of, of finding someone who's or sitting in their team on a seat who's, who drops the ball and then causes problems, whether it's an accountant or financial planner that's doing something you know, in, in the super or it could be just a, a really lousy conveyancer. Who um who who goes away for two days when they're trying to do a deal? So yeah, like um, I think a lot of investors mis- miscalculate the importance of the power team. What have you guys learned? So in terms of the time that you've been doing this, what have you learned in terms of the people you've worked with, like or the people that you've spoken with, um, who potentially want to use your service? Like, what are they what are they struggling with? Like, what why do you feel like a lot of them? I, I know it's a general question. Everyone's got a different point of view. But if you could kind of generalize around what you've heard, how would you sum it up? And so to, to give you a bit, of, a bit of context, when we initially started our journey, Ben, we engaged someone who we thought was professional. And long behold, after the transaction took place and settled, we realized that that was, wasn't probably the smartest of decisions we'd made. So what I've come to realize in the sort of space the last sort of 12 months is there's a bit of fear instilled with buyers agents and more so around transacting as, as a transaction, as opposed to sort of building long-term relationships with clients. That, that's, that's something I've picked up from, from speaking to a few prospects. Another thing is of course, the, the media and, and how they always project doom and gloom, the market's going to fall, the crash crashes, is it imminent, you know, property price is going to drop 20 percent or, or what it may be they're always portraying a negative negative aspect about property and whilst that may be true in in, in your sydney and melbourne where we're realizing in certain markets that that's actually the inverse of what we're, we're seeing and experiencing with, with some of the purchases that we're doing on behalf of the clients yeah i was just about to jump in to say and it's also just opening in the sense of Sometimes they just can't fill in the gaps themselves of where they want to go. They say that's their goal, but they just don't know how to do it. They don't know how to ex- execute it. And I guess that's where you need a team of experts to help you understand that and then pop it into place. So, 
yeah, the execution's always, you know, always a tricky part. You can know where to buy or think you know where you where, where you buy or what you want to buy, but then you've actually got to buy it and put it together. And so I hear that. And I think to your point, Michael, around, especially it's relevant today in 2023 with the media, like, yeah, the media just, they speak their narrative when it feels right and they share their narrative, you know, of what they're trying to achieve, like whether they're trying to curb inflation, they'll just say the market's, you know, terrible and trying to reduce spend or whatever they're doing. And you're right, like it's contrary, it's a contradiction to what's actually going on, especially like in investment in some regional areas um, and some other areas as well for investment, like it's booming. I was speaking to someone in WA this morning about who was just telling me, it's like the market is so busy. He said, it's just insane, like insane. And so like, we don't hear about that, do we? No, no, it's like popcorn there right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exciting. I think it's a cool place to be for you guys, whereby you literally or clearly love what you do in terms of investing. You, you understand how the money can work for you, you know, as opposed to having to, to slog around. Because I think traditionally, a lot of people, they don't quite grasp the concept of leverage. Like a lot of people, I feel like just feel like they've got to wake up and just rent out their time or do what they need to do to earn money. And they don't realize there's like, there's a different way to live and do it, right? Yeah. But then I guess when you tell those people they're in, they'll just go, oh, yeah, it sounds too good to be true. And you're like, it's about changing that mindset. Bridging that gap. Yeah, bridging the gap. I- I'm guilty of that when I was younger as well. Absolutely. Took me a little while to to shift the mindset to to the power of leverage. Yeah, I think we all are and it takes time and it doesn't land for some people, I think, ever. And sometimes it just lands for people at different stages. But if you, I mean, you guys, in terms of your strategy, you're buying investment properties only. Is that correct? Correct. Correct, yeah. And is part of the strategy around doing any form of renovation? Yeah, so depending on, on obviously the client's goals and expectations, we have the option to have Cash, cash flow strategies, value add strategies such as renovation or subdivisions, like a retain and build. It, I guess it really comes down to the client and what they they want to achieve in what sort of time frame, and of course their their, their risk tolerance as well. It just depends also how they're how they're purchasing it as well, and it depends what they want to do as a goal and how how quickly do they want to scale as well. You know, is it development that they want to go down the path of granny clats or? So when we sit down with a client in, in our meetings, we'll essentially break it all down and then tailor a strategy to their needs, hence tailored property group, and present them the opportunities that, that we think are going to complement their, their end goals. I love it. Yeah, excuse the pun, tailored. So I think it's great though that you guys do tailor different strategies because some people are very focused on one strategy. I think it's great that you guys um, encompass diversity, as you said, Michael, like well, what's the client's goals and expectations? Well, you guys can then deploy, you know, the strategy that meets meets that, which I think is great. Yeah, I guess we've had one client just recently very, I guess, surprised that um, we could do something for him that he thought was just unachievable and then get two deals as well happening at the same time for him, two different, I guess, genres. And I think that's also open, eye-opening. So that's even a, a possibility. And then... We like to think outside the box as well. If somebody says no, there may be a way because we live in a lot of grey. I like it. Well, that, that's what you're there for, right? You're there to challenge thinking and, and bend the thinking and 
provide solutions and diagnose. And I love that. We're going to finish up. But I think, you know, Cole, on your note just earlier, I'm kind of rewinding back when you're talking about women and investing. I, I think there's a big opportunity there. I think I haven't got data on this. I'm kind of, again, it's my perspective, but it seems like it's very, um, very male dominant from what you see around success paths around investors. It's very male focused. And then I'm sure there's a lot of women kicking a lot of ass, but I think also a lot of women need to be inspired more to take on the journey at a younger age and be more independent with wealth creation through property. So I think there's big opportunity. I think there's a huge opportunity there. So Yep. I think it comes off of something that you once were saying about bringing it back to the schools. We need to teach it at school level, like how to, um, what is wealth on creating, like the whole process going back to uh Bit of an outdated system. Yeah, outdated system, right? I hate you. You touched base on that once yourself on a podcast or a, something you were saying. I think it does go back to that. Yeah, super outdated. I don't know how they've forgotten to teach buying property. If, if it's if you're going to leave school and start watching the news, if you do, or read the papers, and you're going to sit in your face all day about property, they might as well give you at least a subject on it at school. But yeah, it's very interesting. Well, guys, we're going to finish on that note. I think your story is awesome individually and collectively. I think you guys bring heaps to the table. And also, Nicole, I, I hope you, I'm sure you will um, carry out and execute on empowering women in, in the investment space. I really see there's a big market opportunity there for a buyer's agent like you and, and Michael to kind of spearhead that. Where can people find you who want to learn more? So we, you can go to our website, www.tailoredpropertygroup.com.au. But we're also on socials. So you can go, um, it's at tailoredpropertygroup.com.au for our socials. So or find us. Find us on LinkedIn as well, if if that's your go-to. Yeah. Um, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. Most of the platforms. Yeah. YouTube now. <laughs> nice. Well, guys, um, great having you on. Yeah, I've been seeing you guys on LinkedIn, so that's awesome. Um, great to chat, guys, and hopefully we'll do another one of these sessions soon. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben.